Welcome back to the Village Bonfire for another episode of the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. A podcast not just for your mind, but for your body and spirit too. Here we don't just talk theory. Instead, we compassionately engage with our lived experiences and a wide variety of topics together, all to invite the question, in these times we find ourselves in, how do we be more human? Thank you for being here. May these conversations awaken, inspire, repair, and evolve something deep within each of us and serve the wild, tender aliveness of our personal and collective hearts. So welcome back to another episode of the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. So this episode, um, yeah, I have been putting off recording this for a little while and some of that's just like, I don't know, my own nerves, I guess, still about sort of sharing or speaking vulnerably. Some of it's getting in my head about, uh, I have to wait till I have something perfect to say, you know, whatever, all that, all that stuff that our brains do. <laughs> um, and some of it, I think was also like, uh, yeah, I need to just spend a little bit of time integrating. Um, I'm coming up on my last really like nine days so my last week week and a few days here in Ireland um and on this four month sort of trip awakening pilgrimage whatever we want to call it that I've been on and so there's definitely like partly with the season and just kind of the short days and um yeah, just kind of a, a weather and a and a daylight hours that's inviting a lot of introspection and quiet and sort of more internal time. Um, so partly because of that, but then also just yeah, partly also then wrapping up this trip, um, and also starting to wrap the year of twenty twenty three. Yeah, I just feel like I've just been in this space of not a lot of like outward sharing and outward expression um you know which mirrors what's happening in the natural world right that rhythm of you know this being the time when the seeds are dormant a lot of things are dormant and there's a there's there's potential happening there's some sort of creative energy that's still flowing but it's maybe slower or quieter and it's happening underneath the surface or deeply internally um yeah and just a, a being with with um with the challenge of the short dark days right a conserving of resources in some ways and so i've just been honoring that but um yeah i i recently had um recently a couple weeks ago a month a month ago a couple weeks ago um, I had the opportunity to meet some um, extended family that we didn't know of until pretty recently, within the last like couple months. And um, yeah, and I had someone ask me like, oh, I, you know, say like, oh, I can't wait to hear more about that, like, on your next podcast episode. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what the next podcast episode needs to be about. So, um, yeah, so that's what, that's sort of what I'm going to be exploring. So 
before we get into that though, we'll light, light the fire. And yeah, and just take a moment here as we light the fire to to really acknowledge the light and what that light means to us, could mean to us, can mean to us. What it meant to our ancestors back before electricity in these short daylight hours, winter times. The warmth of it, the possibility and promise of it, the nourishment of it. the tenderness of it. I've been noticing that recently I've been um, <laughs> I've been wanting to, uh, it's like overhead lights have been too much. And so I've been doing a lot of like turning them down and, and some of the places where I've been staying, I've had um, wood stoves. And so I've just been sitting by the light of the wood stove or just turning on like little lights around. And so for, for you to be able to see me for this episode, I turned on the big light, <laughs> the overhead light. But yeah, there's something about that that feels so um, harsh and glaring. And there's something about sort of this creative, integrative process that I feel like I'm in right now, this really deep, soulful process that I'm in right now that actually wants less glaring light, that like needs some of that nesting, needs some of that fire light um, instead of the glaring electric light and so yeah so I invite you to perhaps notice if there's if there's a part of you that may also be feeling a little tender and overexposed in these days in these times in the bright lights and so as we gather here around the fire perhaps wherever you're tuning in you can turn down your lights a little and just let ourselves be in something that feels a little bit uh, more tender. Yeah. And so actually, I'm going to walk my talk. So I'm going to pause for just a moment and go turn my lights down and you might not be able to see me as well for those of you who watch this, but I actually think there's an invitation here for that. So I'm going to honor that. All right. So I've turned down my lights and that definitely feels a lot better. So, yeah. So so this question, right? I think this, this sort of this search for family, this ancestral pilgrimage for me, I think in some ways it started like with this question, like, why do we want, why do we like long um, to know more about where we came from, right? To know more about our ancestors. And for me, some of that began, as you might've heard me tell this story, but some of that began um, in a deeper and more meaningful way, actually, back in 2020 in the wake of 
uh, actually maybe, no, it was even further earlier than that. It was in 2016. And so it was shortly after the election and um, in the U.S. in 2016, which was Trump, when Trump was elected. And there was, a, you know, a spike after he was elected in um, race crimes, hate crimes, anti-Semitic acts, um, you know, Islamophobia, um, was basically a, a rise in, in, in white supremacy happening in the U.S. And, and it's happening also in other parts of the world as well. And so I was sitting with this question of, you know, I was, I was, there was a lot of conversations starting to happen around um, what white supremacy was, what white privilege was, what, um, you know, kind of, and particularly then also, like I was listening into these conversations more specifically around the spiritual and wellness spaces, the yoga and meditation spaces, those kinds of things. So it was also about cultural appropriation and entitlement. And, you know, and I, I'd done some studying on some of these things back in university. So some of these concepts were not totally new to me. Um, but I was sitting with like another layer of that. And it felt like, you know, there was more coming up. And, you know, it's one thing to study something theoretically, it's another thing to bring it into our bodies, right? Um, and to really, to really tend to where we are complicit in something. Um, yeah, and really where where are we aligned or actually not really living fully in alignment with our values and with what we think or know to be true. And so I was sitting with kind of these conversations around um, cultural appropriation. And, you know, as someone I was deep in the yoga world at the time and um, also studying energetic medicine and which is in, you know, an indigenous wisdom tradition and, um, you know, has a lot of its roots in a sort of North American, what we would often call shamanism, although not all of the native peoples would refer to themselves that way. And when I was sitting in these conversations, I noticed it was really uncomfortable at times. And some of that, so I got curious with the discomfort in my body and as I just sat with the discomfort in my body, I was like, Ooh, okay. There's some entitlement, right? Like there's this sense of like, well, I should be allowed to practice yoga. I should be allowed to do this. And why can't I? Right. And so I was like sitting with sort of the, the sort of young kind of petulance <laughs> of that voice and kind of that like stopping foot, like, it's my right, right? That entitlement. And as I was sitting with that more, I was like, okay, what's, what's that about, you know? And so I just continued to sit with that voice. And as I sat with that inner voice that dropped down deeper and deeper into my body and until it came all the way down to my pelvis. And once there, it was like this enormous wave of grief came over me. An enormous wave of grief. And as I sat with that grief, I was like, oh, what are you about, you know? 
And I realized what I was tapping into was actually where my ancestors had become disconnected from their own sense of belonging to lands, belonging to language, belonging to myth and song, right? Belonging to a rhythm that's not of this modern world, that's not of capitalism and productivity and linear thinking and mind over everything else, right? And I realize that so much that the reason I was so identified, whether even unconsciously with whiteness was because my ancestors have had to give something up long ago. Certain of my ancestors had had to give up who they were before they were white to become white, whether for power, whether for safety, whether for their own survival, whatever, whatever their reasons, right? Whether voluntarily or less voluntarily. The fact of the matter is, is somewhere along the way, they lost track of who they were. And I realized that I was carrying the grief and the wound of that in my body still. And that, and something in me just knew that if I didn't tend to that wound, I was never really going to be able to show up in this day and in this age in the ways that I wanted to. For the freedom, for the liberation, for the justice and equity, um, right relationship. Because that wound was always going to keep getting in the way. And so to really divest myself from whiteness, I was kind of like, I think I need to answer that question. Who were my people before they were white, right? And so for some people, that's like not an easy question to answer. And luckily for me, although three, four generations back that that my people came um, to what's called the United States now, um, or treated five generations back, I think, for the most part. Um, I can still, I know somewhat, at least general geographic regions and countries where my ancestors are from. I know that's not the case for everybody, but that was a good starting point for me. And then from there, I'm also lucky that there are some more distant cousins that I have in my family in the US who have been doing genealogy work on one line of the family tree anyway. And so they were, you know, there was there was something I could kind of tap into there a little bit. And then I've had some other family members in other lines of the family tree who are who have always been passionate about family and history, right? And so so there's been there were some threads still alive in my family that I could follow, which or were being um, tracked by others that I could kind of jump on the bandwagon of, right? And um, and so not everybody has that. And so I just acknowledge if that's not you, that's okay. Like if this conversation's resonating with you, but that's not you, like that's okay. But I think there's something, there's this piece here, right? Like why do we long to know more about our ancestors? And I think some of that is there's a hunger and a yearning in us in this modern day and age for something 
that operated at a different level, not that sounds very vague as it comes out of my mouth, um, but operated in a different rhythm and a different timing, something that felt um, more soulful. And I think we're hungry for remembering what that is because that's not very present in our overculture. And I think if we, there's some part of us that wonders if we look back, will we be able to find that? I also think there's like a big part of us that just is innately curious. Who am I? Why am I? Where did I come from? Who do I belong to? Right? Like that desire for tribe, for connection, for this sense of belonging, like we yearn for that. And while we don't have to find that in blood family, and for many people, that's not actually um, the safest or most nurturing place to find that. It, our, our blood family, that we share DNA with them. We share like our little literal physical makeup is a, a product of those who came before us. So there's, it almost feels like I think there's some part of us that's like, yeah, there's going to be clues here. There's going to be some sort of anchoring. So was I always interested in this? No. <laughs> and I used to glaze over so much when people would talk about it. I just be like, oh, like, why does it matter? Like all those people lived so long ago and who cares? Right. Or I'd be like, oh, like I just feel the inherited trauma or the messiness or the ugliness or whatever, right? Um, and I would want to distance myself from that, right? Like, and I think there's value to that, right? Like doing better than the ones who came before, growing from where and what was before, right? But there's also a risk of amnesia that happens in those moments, a certain amount of amnesia. Like we have to learn from history, otherwise it'll keep repeating itself, right? And, you know, and, and there's also a certain amount of like discounting the beauty and the richness that also came before. And like a fragmentation of myself in those moments, right? Like I'm not better <laughs> than they were, right? Yeah. And so there's, yeah, so there's, there's that. And, and then there's also sort of this piece that I'm aware of that's sort of this internalized um, yeah, again, sort of this internalized late stage capitalism, right? Like forward, linear, more, better, <laughs> right? And in more land-based animistic traditions around the world, time is understood to be much more multi-layered and circular progress, quote unquote progress is understood to be much more circular and multi-layered and complex. Right. And so I think there's that. Um, yeah, there's something about when we come into that rhythm and that's sort of been some of this process for me, the more I'm like unlearning over our 
overculture. There are parts of our overculture that don't really seem to support our souls and our humanity and our bodies, right? And our heart. The more I'm kind of physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually kind of divesting from that and unlearning that and kind of exploring something else, the more I'm like, there's something, there's something in the ancestry that might hold clues to that. There's something in the past. There's something in the family. There's something in, in, um, yeah, in looking back or looking around or trying to root or tracking the stories, right? That, that might offer some clues or might offer some grounding or might offer some wayfinding tools. So I think that's really what's kind of sparked my interest and sort of brought me back to realizing too, and then also understanding epigenetics and this idea that um, our our biology can and our DNA can literally be changed by our environment, right? We adapt to our environment, including trauma, collective traumas that have happened, whether it's war, whether it's genocide, whatever it is, right? We adapt to those things, our ancestors, we adapt to those things in ways that actually get inherited, like literally inherited, passed down, not just like behavioral patterns that are seen and mimic, but like the actual biology. So it started to feel really important to me too, to also understand and, and try and track these stories of where I'm from and who I'm from, because that's part of the responsibility that I feel in this lifetime to tend yes to my wounds, but also to the wounds of my lineage. Because what we're seeing play out in the world today is the result, is the fruit of the seeds that were planted by the ones who came before, right? So if we don't like <laughs> what we're seeing in the world today, then we have to like sow different seeds. And part of sowing different seeds is like actually changing our inner and outer culture. It's looking at where am I carrying the wounds and the ripple effects, the inherited, the inherited physicality as well as vibration of the ones who came before and how can, what parts of that need tending and repair so that I can show up differently in the world and sow different seeds and hopefully create a future that will be lived by those after me, right? In a different way. So where it needs repair, but also then what gets to be celebrated, right? Like where, what beauty actually may have also been there that I also inherited and that I get to celebrate and give thanks for and continue and keep sowing his seeds, right? So, yeah, so I think, you know, it's like, and I think that's common, right? That we lose contact for so many different, like with, with that sense of connection with our ancestors or with family for so many different reasons, right? That, that whether it's again, sort of like, it doesn't feel relevant or um, we're so focused on thinking ahead or um, 
there's a lot of trauma and wounding there or we're the descendants of people who stopped talking about where they were from or who they were from. And so that knowledge was just lost very quickly, right? There's a lot of different reasons we can lose contact. And as I've sort of said, I think there's also a lot of repercussions though to, to, to when we do that. Um, you know, those repercussions of sort of this amnesia, this almost like blindness of like, just less awareness, we're less aware, which means when we're less aware, we make less conscious choices, right? Um, and and I think then there's also this grief and this loss that we experience on a very visceral, physical level, um, the sense of alienation, solitude, loneliness, lack of belonging. And then our attempts to soothe that start to come out sideways and a lot of like, sort of strange beautiful sometimes or a lot of the time sort of strange ways um so yeah so I was very fortunate that actually like while I was in Scotland I got an email from my mom and one of her cousins who's been doing a lot of the genealogy work and they were like oh we actually just found this third cousin over in Ireland so he's the descendant of my great-great-grandfather who's is um the one who left um, Ireland and emigrated to the U.S., one of my great-great-grandfathers. And so he his, he had a brother. He had a couple siblings, but um, one of them was a brother. And then this cousin that they've, that my, my family just discovered is a descendant of his brother. And they were like, he lives in Ireland. We reached out to him, told him you're going to be in Ireland and he's open to meeting you. And I'll be honest, I got that email and I just like actually started crying. <laughs> um, and I could just feel this like surge of like energy in my system. And I sat with that email for a few days before responding or like doing anything about it. Cause I was just kind of like, Ooh, I need to, yeah, there was a lot of, again, just a lot of charge just in my system came up around that a lot of emotions, um, a lot of excitement mostly, but also just kind of this sense of like magnitude. And it was like, I almost had this sense of, of my ancestors in that moment, the ones who have passed and just feeling them and what it meant for them. I'm like getting teary eyed actually just saying that, but what it meant for them that these two branches of the family tree might get to kind of complete a circle and come back together again. And so I met, I did end up meeting um, him and, and his family and his sister and um, yeah. And brother, although that was over zoom, but anyway, or, FaceTime or, you know, whatever, WhatsApp. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just, it was really incredible. And, you know, and I want to preface this too, by saying like, also, you know, this is a very unique and specific to this situation experience, right? So 
not everybody's experience. Should you pursue this yourself or have you, if you've had an experience like this yourself, yours might not have been the same. <laughs> um, but I happen to be lucky that this cousin, Sean, um, is like just a passionate lore keeper, family lore keeper, um, storyteller, historian, genealogist, right? Like, like he's actually done DNA testing and sequencing of all these different, the Burns and O'Burns, like in different areas of Ireland. So he's actually like tracking the different, um, sort of the different lines of them, like based on genetic mutations and genetic markers and is able to say like, oh, these kind of came from here and like long, long ago, these two sects were, you know, were kind of like one, but then they divided, he, you know, and so he's, so I really left into the fact that the person I ended up meeting up with was able to take me around to a lot of different sites that were important. We saw so many gravestones. <laughs> so many old churches so many old ruined buildings and like um yeah that that had been of relevance to my great-great-grandfather and his family um before he emigrated to the U.S. and then also for some of the branches of family that stayed in Ireland and so I you know I really lucked out in that I found somebody who was able to take me to those places and tell me those stories and show me those things and and give me all of this information um you know and and obviously that's not true for anyone there's plenty of people you know here in Ireland for example who you know that that sort of that focus on progress at the exclusion of remembering the old stories, remembering the, the elders, remembering the old ways, right? Like that's happening around the world. Um, so it's not purely something that, you know, is experienced in the United States or North America, you know, um, where, where our people came and colonized. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was really you know, it's funny because on the one hand, like it felt like massively like a big moment, right? And like, this is what I was looking for. And then, and it was so beautiful. And on the other hand, it just felt so like it already was, right? Like, like as I stood on the farmland amidst the tumble down the rocks that had once been the walls of the house where my great-great-grandfather like spent most of his, you know, um, young adult life before leaving the country, you know, where he'd worked, he'd sat around this family and, um, you know, it, uh, Sean said the last time he was back there, he was actually even able to still find the hearthstone of the, the fireplace. And we couldn't find it this time, although I'm sure it's still there, but just everything had fallen even, even more uh, from the last time Sean was there. It's on, it's on farm, it's on land owned by another farmer at this point. Uh, but the farmer let us go out and we had to like climb over fences and <laughs> um, to get there. But anyway, we couldn't find the hearthstone, but, but, you know, standing amidst what used to be the walls of the house and on the land where they were farming and, um, you know, probably laughing and fighting and, you know, eating meals and playing and, 
um, you know, just being humans, it was, you know, I, I expected to feel more, I think I would say. And it's not that I didn't feel anything, but it was that it was like, oh, I've already been feeling these ancestors and I've already been feeling this land um, because it's already been alive in me. You know, and, and it happened to be a particularly easy transition to meet with these cousins too. It turns out we actually feel like we have a lot in common and and just feels like we've known each other for years. And, um, you know, we went from strangers to, to family, um, you know, kind of very, very quickly. And, and again, that's not always a given either, you know, but it just, the right time, the right place, the right people. And so it happened. Um, and so there was just kind of this, even though it was like, I think in my head, yeah, I was expecting it to be momentous and it wasn't not, <laughs> but it was also very just like subtle and easy and obvious and just kind of this like of course because it already is and so that's where then you know I think what I would say too if you're kind of listening to this and resonating or feeling a longing or um feeling grief that you haven't had an experience like this or maybe you're not sure that that would be possible for a host of different reasons and you know and so what I would say is like a lot of what this really drove home for me is that it's in our bodies already, you know, the answers that we're looking for about where we come from and, and why we are, you know, it, it was like amazing how he was telling me stories about how many of my great, great grandfather's, you know, father, for example, like decided he wanted to shift the pattern of the family that he was from. And he got to be a teacher. He made sure he got to be a teacher. And then he made sure all of his kids had the option to become teachers. And, um, you know, and, and some of them did and some of them didn't. Um, but then it's funny because even though my great great grandfather, for example, didn't choose to do that, he actually went into the police in Ireland. Um, he needed a place to live and he needed clothes and he needed food and the police offered that. <laughs> And then when he emigrated to the U.S., he actually worked for the NYPD and was in the police force there. Um, but then he kept it going with like trying to set up his children for different opportunities than what he had. And what's funny is it's kind of come full circle and there's still a lot of educators <laughs> in our family, my mom's generation. And then even kind of coming down from that a little bit. And so... And, and the generation above my mom too, a little. And so, you know, so it's like these threads are still there and not necessarily by conscious choice, but just by, I don't know, maybe it's the epigenetics, maybe it's the energetics, maybe it's personality, maybe it's coincidence. I don't know, but it's, it's like, it's already there in our bodies, you know? And, and how human is it I mean, that's the thing that like also really struck me through all of these stories 
everything like was just and standing in these places was like how human it is to just want better for our children right to like want better for the ones who come after us and again not everyone can offer that to their descendants for a lot of different reasons but that desire to survive and that desire to do better for our for the ones who come after to the best of our ability at the time right our best do better yeah man that just transcends generations right and so you know it's like what if anytime you tap into that what if that is your ancestral connection right there you know um so yeah, it felt really grounding to kind of have some of that external mirroring to get to hear these stories, to get to stand in these places, to get to kind of feel and and see myself and imagine how they were living and what they were thinking and how they were feeling or just to ask those questions, right? But, you know, it really kind of kept coming back to me of just like, but none of that's that different from what's present in my life and what's important to me. And, and so I think if we can just keep coming back to our bodies and keep coming back to songs and stories and making things with our hands and caring about each other to come back to what it is to be human, then we are connected with our ancestors inherently because then they get to like kind of awaken through us the parts of them that are still alive in our blood, in our DNA, in our bones, um, you know, get to awaken. And so we just have to keep tending what hurts and celebrating what's beautiful and building and creating and using our voices and and there it is. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's kind of my reflections on on that particular piece of this journey, um, at least for right now. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure things will keep shifting and integrating. And um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'd started learning Irish. I'd started learning Guelga back in February, and I've taken a break from it actually while I've been over here um but it's gotten me excited to kind of keep keep learning the language because there's something about the the sounds and 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 letting your mouth move in the way um that your ancestors might have that feels really beautiful so even if you're not sure of your specific ancestry perhaps you can find a language an old an old language that you can learn um, or songs to sing or stories to tell or something like that. So the other thing too is, as I was kind of, before I came over here, long before I knew about these cousins and, and that I would get to meet them, um, I was talking about some of the stuff with a friend of mine and, and she was like, oh, like, I would love for you to like write a workbook on this or something. I could kind of, a way for me to sort of start to explore that for myself and engage with myself and my own ancestry in some way, or to start to kind of be curious um, 
and and um yeah and so I've been sitting with that and I'm I think I am gonna make one and so I guess there's an invitation here too if you're listening to this and this is like this conversation's really speaking to you or yeah and it's kind of sparking an interest in you in pursuing this um I guess I would love to hear from you like what questions would you have or where do you feel like your struggles are um you know, just in this moment right here where you're like, yes, I want to pursue this, but I maybe don't know where to start. Right. So like what in that moment, like what's coming up for you or what are you noticing or what would be helpful for you? Um, so yeah, I would love to hear that. And so you can, um, email me Kate at wildsacredjourney.com. Um, that's K A T E at wildsacredjourney.com. And that'll be in the show notes and everything too. Or, you know, if you're connected with me on Instagram, you can send me a, a DM there or, um, you know, on Facebook, um, or there may be a way too of, of just commenting. If you're watching this on YouTube, you know, you can always, um, you know, and you don't mind it being public. You can always comment on the, underneath the video or, um, if where you listen to your episodes, um, some of those allow for comments. So yeah, but emailing me is probably the best way (laughs) if that works for you, but if it doesn't, you can find another way to get to me. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear if, if, if something like that would be interesting for you, or even if you're not thinking you would buy the workbook, but you're still interested in it, like, yeah, what are the questions that you have or what are, what are, what are the struggles you're having with your own sort of reawakening to your ancestry, to um, the stories, the s- stories that are told through your body, the family stories that are alive in your body. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I'll leave it there for now. So, um and just take a few deep breaths in and out together and just start to acknowledge whatever might be coming up and acknowledging again kind of the darkness and the quiet that might be around us sort of this internal gestation period for those of us in the northern hemisphere anyway acknowledging the fire itself a source of ancestral reconnection Acknowledging our bodies, the place where all the timelines for the past, the present, and the future meet. All the ones who came before, all the ones who will come after. And just the incredible, incredible amount of love. and hope that's 
available to us that wants to be lived through us. And so with deep gratitude, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. And we close out this particular moment around the fire. Until next time. Hi, Kate here again. Thank you for gathering with us. Whether you've been here a while or found your way here thanks to today's guest, it means so much to me and the world I dream of to have you here. I hope you'll tune in for more of our conversations. We humans seem to be at a profound threshold and facing questions of deep impact for the future and the world. We need our full hearts and humanity as we sow seeds of change in these times of joy and heartbreak. I count myself lucky to be here now, around this virtual village fire, weaving our stories into a medicine with humans like you. As a community medicine space, this podcast is relational. It weaves webs of connection and mutual respect and care across time and space. If you appreciate and support the future we're seeding here, you can support the weaving of this web in a few ways. One, share episodes with friends and family or online with your community. It also helps the podcast immensely if you like, rate, subscribe to, or follow the podcast where you watch or listen, so you get notified when new episodes drop and new listeners find us as they search. Two, join us on Patreon. Doing so supports conversations like the one you just heard and allows you access to live community gatherings and medicine circles and more as we continue to grow. It also helps me keep the space advertisement-free so the conversations stay intact as they are. If you have questions, suggestions, connections, or would like to find out more about working with me, you can find me online at www.wildsacredjourney.com, on Instagram at wildsacredjourney underscore kp, or email me, kate at wildsacredjourney.com. Until next time, from my heart to yours, I release today's fire with a prayer for our individual and collective wholeness, connection, and joy. May it be so.